All right, so the last couple of weeks we've been looking at it. This will probably be the last week we look at this particular subject. Many years ago, Bev said to me, she said, Doll, that's such a good message. You need to camp around that message for a while because we don't always get it first go. So I've camped around it. This will be the fourth message in the series. And um, God spoke to me a few weeks ago, and he said to me when I said, Lord, what is the word for ACF? He said to me, redeem the time because the days are evil. And as without repeating too much, it doesn't take a great stretch of the imagination to look around and say, maybe the days aren't evil, but it's just a way of saying there's evil stuff happening. You know, there's some, some not really good things. And um, the NIV says, make the most of every opportunity. I believe the greatest underestimation, other than the cross, of course, and there have been other gross underestimations of the devil, he's just got a way of underestimating God. You know, he overestimates himself and his ability to lie, cheat, steal, and deceive. But he totally underestimates God. And I believe that this whole COVID pandemic, whether man-made, man-engineered, or whatever it is, it was a gross, because look, he's behind all wickedness. You know, the buck stops, with, when there's evil anywhere, the buck stops with him. So we can blame the devil, you know. The nice thing is you can swear at the devil too. You can say, go to hell. <laughs> There's another way of swearing at the devil. You say, Jesus. Ooh, that gets his goat. Excuse the pun. Anyway, so Paul says, make the most of every opportunity. I am absolutely, I was chatting with Pastor Helen in America yesterday. I was saying to Pastor Helen, I believe in recent history, this has been the greatest gross misunderstanding of the power of God and of the effectiveness of the church. COVID. The greatest. I believe there's a, a revenge in the anointing. And the way that God is going to cause us to take revenge on the years the locusts have eaten is the anointing. Amen. And more people will get saved. More people will get healed. There'll be greater anointed meetings. I believe we're going to see God come Amen. in a wave Amen. of power that will continue and continue and continue. Amen? Amen? And so God says, God says in Joel chapter 2, He will restore the years. He doesn't say the things, but the years. And that includes the things in the years. He will restore what the locusts have eaten. Amen? And there's so many you know, um, stories about it. But because of the time, I really believe God wants us to live holy lives. And we looked at it in Ephesians 5 and in, in Colossians 2, and we saw that redeeming the time is to live holy lives. A holy life or a life lived for God is an effective life, and it's a productive life. Amen. And if we continue to walk in that way, it will be a more efficient life, if I can say it like that. And so we discovered the whole thing about you know, living with wisdom comes from gaining an understanding of his word, which comes from getting knowledge about his word first. So we get a knowledge of God and a knowledge of his word. We'll start to understand the principles of God. And then in wisdom, we'll be able to apply it to life and live out our lives. And that is another way of saying living holy lives. Is that okay? Blameless lives. And so one of the things that I've seen in nearly 40 years of pastoring is how people have messed up destinies, shipwrecked their faith, how they've short-circuited what God wants to do in their lives because of temporary fleshly 
you know, self-ideas rather than doing it God's way. And we don't want to be like that. Is that right? I don't know about you, but I don't want to waste time, mess up, and things like this. I don't want to end up in a cul-de-sac and having to come around and and retrace steps. I don't want to wander around the mountain again like Israelites did. You know, another trip around the mountain, another trip. We're just wasting time. What they could have done in two months or less took them 40 years. And that whole unbelieving generation never entered the promise. There's promises of God that we need to enter, church. Amen? And so it's important for us. And we looked at it last week and we saw that there's a difference between the word grace for salvation and grace, which is extra attention, extra kindness, extra grace of God, which we call favor. Is that right? And so we saw that there's a difference. That the favor, when you have someone's favor, you're in their good graces. When you have favor with God and with people, it means they show you an exceptional kindness or grace that they're not giving to others. In other words, there's a distinction between people who have favor and people who don't have favor. So let me say it like this. There are too many Christians living only in the grace of Christ and not enough living with his favor. I need to say that again. There are too many Christians living in the grace of Christ, which is sufficient for our salvation. Our sins are forgiven. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. But they don't have the favor which takes them on into progression. And that's why Paul spoke to Timothy and he said, Timothy, young pastor, Timothy, do this and this and this. Then let your progress be evident to all. Or in the King James says, you're profiting. And that would come because of God's favor. So in a measure, in a sense, we all have favor, some favor of God. Is that okay? And uh, we all have grace available to us. But we need that extra, which is called favor. We saw how Bill Johnson says, Prophet Kerber says, you first got to have favor to get more favor. Or Prophet Kerbus would say, you first need to have grace to get more grace. So Prophet John said, you first need to have grace in order to get favor. Okay? And we see this from John 1.16. And of his fullness have we all received and grace for grace. In other words, you first have grace for salvation. Then you get more grace to grow on. And then you will discover favor. So what would be the point of being in the right place at the right time where destinies are fulfilled, but you have no favor. You might as well be in the wrong place. Just think about that. You can be in the right place at the right time, but with no favor of God or man, and you might as well not be there because we need the favor of God and man. So we discovered that our choices, our responses to God play a major role. Because the way we live attracts the favor of God. So God loves everyone the same, everyone, but not everyone has the same measure of faith. Now, it's very different to favoritism, and I'll maybe mention it a little bit later. So everyone has it, so it's a thing about degrees. Bill Johnson again says, it depends on how good a steward you've been of the grace that he gave you for your salvation. If you've been a good steward of that grace, unmerited, it's available for you. If you've been a good steward of that and pressed in and grown in the knowledge of God, God adds his favor, okay, his exceptional kindness, his unusual kindness to you. And so in our work, 
in our ministries, our work lives, we need to be living right. On time, good attitude. Is that right? And, um, you know, I often teach parents in the church concerning just training up their children, disciplining them, being polite and all that kind of thing. I said, when you come in to church, teach your kids to come and greet me first. I mean, they can greet others on their way in. But come and greet me first because in the corporate world, I'll be the CEO of the company. Teach them how to have respect for those in authority. Amen. Amen. Go and say hello to Pastor John. And I love it. I'm very proud of my daughter because, you know, sometimes when she's doing the hair, the kids will pop in and say, hello, mom. And then she'll say, hello to auntie so-and-so who's having their hair done or whatever. And I'll say, hello. She'll say, no, come back, come back, come back, come back. Yeah. Eli, look at auntie so-and-so and say, good morning, auntie so-and-so. She'll make them look at them. Everybody say All the older people, the younger generation has got some, a lot to learn. Come to me, I will teach you. Okay. But you've got to teach people how to learn respect for authority. You know, because then they get their first job and then they walk in, they don't greet the CEO and he goes like, what kind of person is this? You know, or they're greeting, how's it, good morning. Like, you're like, you're my chummy. Where's manners? No, you've got to teach them. Is that right? Paul even goes as far as to say, you older woman, teach the younger woman how to live. Because the younger woman is the younger woman. Teach them how to have manners. Is that okay? I got a video clip this week. One pastor sent me. And it's a lady who's just written a book. It's all in Afrikaans. I said, I was joking with him. I said, I'm going to show this in church this Sunday. He said, yeah, me too. I also think so. But anyway, it's this TV presenter and he's interviewing this lady. And she's just written the book. And I kid you not, I can show you the video clip. So now she, they're speaking in Afrikaans, and this guy's looking at the book, and he's going, he asks her, and he goes, uh? Because, because she answers, and she says, no, 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 it's all written in the book. She said, women are responsible for men's sins. She said, if a man sins, nine times out of ten, it's a woman's fault. And the clip ends there. So this pastor says, I rest my case. So I put it on the family group. I sent it to Bev. I sent it to everybody. I said, check this. (laughs) I'm going to show it in church. This is from a lady. She wrote a book about it. It must be God. (laughs) Teasing. I'm teasing. (laughs) But in our workplaces, in our relationships, you know, in our spiritual lives, in our financial lives, in every way, if you want to attract the favor of God, you've got to do it God's way. Is that okay? And so you can't, you know, be spending recklessly and think God's going to bail you out because you gave your tithes and offerings. You can't be precise with your money, not give tithes and offerings and expect God to bless. I mean, there's a wisdom for your entire finances. Are you with me, church? And so, you know, let me just read a couple of verses because of time. I want you to note how favor is always conditional. Everybody say conditional. Okay, so Psalm 84, verse 11, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold. Now, that's where a lot of Christians would end the scripture. You know, God won't withhold any good thing from me. Well, let's just finish the verse. Because he says, whose walk is blameless. Okay, everybody say, 
Amen. Okay. Proverbs eleven twenty seven. Whoever seeks good finds favor, but evil comes to the one who searches for it. But in order to find favor, you have to seek good. And then Proverbs 12, verse 2, good people. Everybody say, good people. Everyone say, I'm a good people. I'm a good person. Good people obtain favor from the Lord, but he condemns those who devise wicked schemes. Proverbs 14, verses 8 and 9. The wisdom of the prudent, that's wise. The wisdom of the wise is to understand his way. But the folly of fools is deceit. Fools mock at sin, but among the upright there is favor. Is that okay? I mean, can you all see it's conditional? It's conditional, you know? So you can't have a favor conference and just, you know, just say, you're all Christians, you've all got favor. Well, you're partly too, because in a measure. No, 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 what we need to do is have a favor conference and then just ask everybody, are you at work on time? Do you take the right time for lunch? Do you leave the right time? You know, are you giving? Have you got, are you exercising wisdom for the rest of your finances? What's your relationships like? How are you with your wife? How are you with your husband? How are you with your children? And at the end of it, we can say, okay, now we pronounce favor. Because it's conditional. Okay, church. And then Proverbs 3, verse 1 to 4. My son, do not forget my teaching. This is the father speaking to his son. But keep my commandments in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Wow. So you could say that, God says the same thing to us, which he is. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind love and faithfulness around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart of love and faithfulness. Then he says, then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Wow. What is it? Wow. Wow, what a nice scripture. So Daniel's little son, Ollie, he's not quite two. But um, they've popped up to come and visit. And um, Daniel was saying to me, Dad, he will love your workshop. Because when he sees his grandpa's workshop down there, he does the same thing. So anyway, they arrived, they settled in yesterday. I go and unlock the garage, put the light on. And uh, so he goes trundling in there. And he looks, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Every piece of machinery sees woodworking tools. Wow. Oh, John, wow. I said, yeah, my boy, I feel like that every time I walk yeah. in there. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I just got a little drill, you know, locked the chuck for him like this and gave it to him. And then he's doing everything. Going, wow. <laughs> so isn't the word of God, wow. God's word is amazing, isn't it? it is. You know, and so there's just, it's just so rich and so full of wisdom. Okay. But growing in favor, there's a missing factor that I haven't touched on yet. It's implied. It's implied in these verses. But the missing factor. Are you all, are you all ready? Yeah. So we spoke about the fact that if we want to grow in the grace that puts us in the place to receive the favor. But basically, Peter says that you need to grow in the grace and the knowledge. And right at, he begins it in chapter 1 of the same epistle, um, talking about the fact that you know, we need to grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But when we grow in knowledge, knowledge will put us in a place to gain understanding. Understanding, once we gain understanding, it will evolve naturally and develop into a wisdom for life. Is that okay? Amen. And then I'm skipping one, and then it'll go to the attraction of God's favor. But what is the one that I'm skipping? The one that I'm skipping is this. 
is pleasing God. The pleasure of God. And pleasing God is what brings favor at the end of that process. So we need to understand that God's favor comes in degrees. The more we please God, the more we'll be favored by him. It's very natural. That little child of yours, the one that's the most obedient, the one that, you know, when you give them something, it's like, oh, wow, thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Mommy. Does something in your heart. And then you're thinking, gosh, what a lovely attitude. What else can I give, you know? I mean, you cannot tell me. You cannot tell me. God is our Father. And it's like, it's just unfair and life sucks and it's like and God goes oh, I really, really don't feel like giving you something again <laughs> you know is this all it is is that it I was expecting a Mercedes well you got you know this car for free I blessed you you know and then you go and it's like oh it's not quite what I wanted I don't know if you've ever bought someone a gift and they go oh gosh thank you and they put it down it's like your heart does this and you think, that's the last time. <laughs> but you know, you bless somebody with something little, and they go, oh my gosh, this is so significant. This is what I wanted. It's like, whoa. You think, God, I wish I'd given them more. Come on, church. Pleasing God. Pleasing God. Living right pleases God. If you want to put it in real human terms, it puts a big smile on his dial. You know? And so pleasing God. So why do you think? Why do you think it says that Matthew 3.17? Jesus goes and gets baptized. The backstory is he said, let me fulfill all righteousness. Because John goes, you're the son of God. Me, I'm just John. I baptize you. You should be baptizing me. Imagine. Imagine Jesus walks in here and says, Pastor John, will you baptize me? I'll be going, there's just no way that's going to happen. Let me get in the water. You baptize me. And he goes, no, 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 I need to fulfill all righteousness. This is what God has showed me for the, up, you know, to this point in time. So John says, okay, baptizes him. Heaven opens. Spirit of God descends. Voice of God from heaven. And he says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Why? Because he was obedient. Is that okay? He drew the unlimited pleasure of God because he was totally unreservedly obedient to God. Is that okay? And the thing is, you can't live any old life, any old way, the way you choose, and do it, you know, not God's way, and expect God to be going, oh, it's my son, my daughter, yeah, have this and have this. I mean, it, it doesn't change his love for you, but it certainly changes the blessing that can come from him. It affects it. And so, in Matthew 12, verse 18, This is quoting from Isaiah, and he says, Behold my servant, talking about Jesus, whom I have chosen. That implies favor. My beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. And as a result, I will put my spirit on him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. In other words, others will be blessed because of the favor I've put on him, because he pleased me. I mean, it's powerful, isn't it? And so... Pleasing God. So John 8, 29. This is Jesus speaking. It says, And he that sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone. For I do always those things that please him. So the thing that motivated Jesus was, What pleases my Father? That's why I said, I look to see what is he doing. Then I do it. 
I listen to hear. What does he say? Then I do it. His whole life he lived pleasing God. And that's why in Hebrews he says, Therefore God anointed him with the oil of joy above his companions. In other words, in favor he was higher than all of those around him. And uh, so Enoch was one who was commended for pleasing God. And then he was not. Somehow he just got translated out of this life. And Paul encourages us. In Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1, talking about the Thessalonian Christians, he says, As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God. So one of the things that I'm doing this morning is encouraging you how to live to please God. And then he says, as in fact you are living, now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. Why? Because it would bring you more favor. So Paul's goal, the great apostle Paul said this, this blew me. Second Corinthians 5, 9, he says, Wherefore we as apostles and the apostolic team, we labor that, whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. But I thought God accepts it when he does. Second Corinthians 5, 9. Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. And so Second Corinthians 5, 9, Paul talks about the fact of being acceptable to God. In another way of saying, that I please God and receive his favor. Good. All right. So some of the Bible characters that found great favor with God was Mary. I mentioned last week. We, we read of Jesus. We read of Samuel. We read of Esther. We read of Noah. We read of Moses, how they all um, received favor from God. It's interesting that the apostle Peter says, of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. And God is not a respecter of persons in the sense of salvation, but in sense of favor, he is. Okay. So just very quickly, the more I've studied and the more I've looked at, the more I've realized is that favor is something that is earned as a result of the way I live. But when I receive that favor because of my lifestyle, God promotes me with favor because of the favor, I'm promoted. Are you all listening? And then with it comes additional responsibility. Yeah. See, what a lot of Christians want is favor of God. Great favor, great favor. They don't want to come to church. They don't want to give extra. They don't want to pray any harder. They don't want to read the Bibles anymore. They don't want to talk to anybody else about Jesus. They don't want to carry on you know, just helping themselves to whatever at work, using stuff that's not theirs, pitching up whatever time, but then they walk around going, I've got favor. No, you don't. You don't. You're actually now just living in the grace of God, but you don't have favor because favor will bring with it promotion. And promotion brings responsibility. And so every one of these Bible characters I mentioned to you, it brought extra responsibility. So when, you know, after all these years, from many years ago, I had a guy flew up, he just asked me to mentor him. And he flew up from Cape Town and we came and we sat here and we sat here for a couple of hours. And I showed him the church and everything. And we were just talking about some stuff. We got onto the topic of the miracle pool meetings and the miracles and the prophetic word and, you know, how cancers disappear and, and all kinds of other things, you know, people being healed. And I just mentioned one pool incident where a woman was just completely healed of her gender confusion. Instantaneously, God healed her and transformed her so much that the next week when she came, I didn't even recognize her. 
she looked absolutely feminine and beautiful, whereas the week before she looked very hard, very masculine, very whatever. And when she was in the miracle pool, God spoke to me, and I just I took a chance because she looked like the kind of lady that could have decked me, you know? One punch, doof. And I said, God is restoring your femininity because to him you're like Queen Esther. And God transformed her whole life. A week later, she walked in, looked feminine, looked beautiful, and I didn't even recognize her. I greeted her, welcome, welcome to Pastor John, I'm so-and-so. You, you ministered to me in the pool last week. God completely transformed her. He sat there crying. And you know that for years, for years and years, I had this thing where God to plant churches, God to plant churches. I tried. We did help pastor a church for two years in Mondial area. And then we called in a pastor, handed over the church when Helen was here. We helped plant churches in Malamaleli and in Venda for other pastors. But from out of ACF, it was my heart's desire. And it just comes a time of walking faithfully with God for so many years. And then Tom Scarella has a dream. Ed Trout phones me from America, prophesies over me. And within months, churches are being planted out of ACF. Now that's the favor of God. But it brought more responsibility. Then I started saying, you know, I want at least 20 churches under us. And then Bev goes like, what do you want more churches for? Don't you know that another church is more work? And another church is even more work. And you know that another church is even more work. Because with the favor of God comes added responsibility. But you know what? You know what? God graces you. And I feel like I'm doing the same amount of work, but now we're shepherding 18 churches, soon 20 churches. And I'm mentoring people that are flying in from over the country. And I want to tell you, in 1987, when I was just a little bit, because you know I've been in the ministry nearly 40 years, but I'm still so young, 47. And, uh, but many years ago, I was with a seasoned apostolic man. And we were sitting talking. I'd had such an encounter with God I mean, it was the first time I encountered the angels or the angel that walks with me. And uh, he ministered to me the entire day. And then I sat with his apostle and he took my hand. We were sitting opposite each other. He put his hand on my hand and he said to me, brother, the day is coming when they're going to come from all corners of South Africa, young men and women, to seek your counsel and yours. And that's happening now. When this brother phoned me from Cape Town and he said, God spoke to us and spoke to my wife and said, we're going to be under Pastor John. And it flew up, and I spent hours with him here. He was weeping. And we were just sharing, you know. And so what happened? That's, that's the favor. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And I'm, not, I'm sharing a testimony from myself. Do you understand what I'm saying? And it would be pointless being at this point in time after so many years, and I was not walking with God in the right way. So I'd be in the right place at the right time. No favor. No favor. None of that would be happening. Are we getting it? And so it's really, really important to live in a way that pleases God, that brings God's good pleasure. So I want to just talk in the few minutes that I've got available about Joseph, because to me, he's the epitome of favor. We could be speaking about Daniel, we could be speaking about Moses, about Noah, but there's just so many verses, and you follow the stages of his life, and you see that young man, Joseph, that received the multicolored coat from his father. He was an indulged young man. He was a pampered young man because he was daddy's little blue-eyed boy, even though he hadn't done anything to deserve it yet because it was from, he was the son of his favorite wife. And so these days we're only allowed one 
So she's our favorite wife. Okay, but those days they had a few. Progressive revelation, they didn't get, they, I don't know, they must have been thick or something. You know, however many wives they have, oh my goodness. All I can say is they're just better men than us. Oh, that's all I can say. <laughs> goodness. But in those days, at least they could tell the wives to sit down and be quiet. <laughs> Play still. Treat them like one of the kids. You know, then it's not so bad. You know, but when you start liberating them and all that kind of thing, boy, you. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. Listen, I got a lady who wrote a book to back me up, eh? <laughs> so, so um, anyway, he was pampered and indulged. He gets, gets this, clearly, it's his favorite. But it's not, he hadn't earned favor. What he was living under was favoritism. Now, favoritism will not get you to your destiny. And even if somehow it does get you there, it will never maintain you there. So the favoritism, so God had to work on this young man, Joseph, whose father was Jacob, and turn favoritism into favor. He had to knock a bit of the snot out of him. Sorry, I'm on live stream. Eh? Did I really say that? He had to knock some of the snot out of him first. So, gosh, I said it again. Forgive me. So he had to change the favoritism to favor and um, his naivety into wisdom, because he was naive. He's having these dreams and telling his brothers, oh, well, no, you're going to bow down to me. What? <laughs> That'll be the day. So then he gets even, he goes, oh, I had another dream. Mom, Dad, you and my brothers, you're all going to bow down and worship me. <laughs> Is that so? So his brothers figured, okay, no, no, we'll sort this little guy out. And of course, you know the story and you know what happened to him. And so the amazing thing is that there was a measure of responsibility because the Bible says in Genesis 37 that from time to time his father Jacob would send him and say, go and find out how your brothers were doing. Now the brothers were looking after the flocks and herds for the dad. And it says that he would always come back with a bad report. So the little snortkop was a little bit of a tittletale, you know. And, you know, I think there was almost a sense in which he got Deserved what he got, almost, almost, you know, because he would go and tittle-tale to that. And the Bible says he would always bring a bad report. He would never come back and say, yes, Dad, I want to be like my brothers. They're doing awesome. He'd come back, and yeah, those lazy lambites, they're doing this and they're doing that and whatever. And then, of course, his dad would reprimand the brothers. And this happened a few times until one day he went out, he couldn't find them. And then somebody said to them, no, they're over in Dothan. So he goes to Dothan. And when his brothers see him coming from a distance, they could see, you know, because of his rainbow coat. Like, oh, yeah, he was that little brat. All right, today, let's just sort this out. Let's kill him. And uh, the interesting thing, though, was though he was young, though he was indulged, though he was pampered, there was a measure of being able to fulfill a responsibility. Because he would still go and then come back. And he wouldn't just go and say, well, I couldn't find him, Dad, and come back. And then the father, after his, I mean, he persisted until he found him. Okay, so there was a measure. There was something in place that God could work with. Yeah. All good? Yeah. You know the story how they grabbed him, threw him in a pit, then sold him to the Ishmaelite traders. The Ishmaelite traders ended up going into Egypt. And then somehow at a market or whatever, this probably the 17-year-old boy, maybe 18 by then, is bought by a man called Potiphar, and taken into his house. And this is where it becomes incredibly, incredibly interesting. 
because in Potiphar's house, he's a slave, he had to learn another language, he's speaking Egyptian, not his own Hebrew tongue, and um, has to probably dress like an Egyptian, probably has to eat Egyptian food. I've been to Egypt quite a few times, it's actually not bad, very nice, in fact. And, uh, but listen to what it says in Genesis 39 verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph, this pampered little boy. Now something must have happened between being put in the pit and sold and taken into Egypt. And obviously, and that's true of any believer, God will be with you. But the sense in which, if we can read it, the Lord was with Joseph, and he, I like the Amplified, though a slave, was a successful and prosperous man. Isn't that incredible? Though a slave was a successful and prosperous man. What was beginning to happen? Favoritism was being transmuted into favor. Is that okay? And then it says, he was a successful and prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. So in other words, some of it was true, but the rest of that statement was actually a prophetic statement. Is that okay? Because it had not yet seen its full working out. So let's go to the next verse. And it says, And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to flourish and succeed in his hand. Something's changed in Joseph. So Joseph pleased Potiphar. Can you all see that? How do you get the pleasure of God? You please him by living right. How do you get the pleasure of man, people? By pleasing them. How? By doing what you're supposed to do. And he served him. And his master made him supervisor of his house, and he put all things he had in his charge. Can you see growing favor? Can you see it's because he's growingly pleasing God and his master? Can you see also growing responsibility? Is that okay? Listen, there's people that come to me, Pastor John, God's called me into the ministry. And I say, no, he hasn't. Not yet anyway. What do you mean? Well, you've never served as an usher on the door. You've never gone around and served communion. You've never walked around this church picking up little bits of rubbish and sticking them in the thing. You've never phoned anybody in the church to find out how they are. I've had it where people have prophesied to people in this church, by February next year, you'll be in the ministry. And then they come and told me all excited. I said, it's a false prophecy. Don't, don't buy it. What do you mean, Pastor John? Feelings all hurt. I said, have you ever preached? Have you ever served? To the wife, have you ever served in Sunday school? I said to him, have you ever ushered at the door? No. I said, well, then you'll never be in ministry. Because that's a responsibility, and the root there is faithfulness. To arrive there is the favor of God. But the root is faithfulness. You can't. You can't. Are you all with me, church? And so you see growing responsibility. Verse 5, from that time on, that he made him supervisor in his house, part of it. And over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. Now, how many of you know when you've got favor, God will bless your boss for your sake? You're going like, oh my goodness, the business is blessed. and this is really, You can get a pay rise. Now, don't go and tell him. Don't go and tell your boss. That's the sure route to you know, disconnecting. The only reason why this work is blessed is because I'm here. Just keep that opinion to yourself. Yeah. yeah, because he'll think it's because he's so clever and he's working hard. Let him think that. It doesn't matter. 
you know? But it's, can you see then that favor, favor is not God just throwing money at you. The route to being financially blessed is when you're faithful, and then God blesses wherever you are, then you get the money. So they have these favor meetings, these big favor meetings. The prophet stands up here, come give me a fat offering because I want to upgrade my crop. He doesn't say that. That's in parenthesis. You know, and throw money at me. Then you will have favor. No, no, that's, no, that's not. Is that okay, church? And he says he blessed his house for Joseph's sake. And the Lord's blessing was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Suddenly it's like, I'm a word, I'm a word. Look at this, I'm prospering. But it was due to one man who had the favor of God, who pleased God, who's now promoted, who's now being financially blessed. So now verse 2 is being fulfilled, that he's, being pro- he's prosperous, though a slave. But that's not the end of it. I mean, fortunately, the story goes on. One of the reasons why I believe the Lord led me to preach this, because I believe that as we start coming through the COVID thing, because our attitudes are different, Our confessions are different. So in other words, let's just say like this. Our character is different. Our conduct is different. Our confession is different. Mm -hmm. They all start to go, oh my word, let's give you a promotion. Let's put you in this place. Let's do this for you. And so Potiphar left all that he had in Joseph's charge. I've got to start winding down. I'm enjoying myself so much. And paid no attention to anything he had except the food he ate. Now, Joseph was an attractive person and fine looking. I won't tell you the rest of the story. Okay. So he had favor in the sight of God because of the way he lived. So God chose him for his purpose. Now he has favor in the sight of a man. And his destiny is set to take off. And so the responsibility he fulfilled. Do you know that promotion equals more work? (laughs) Promotion equals more responsibility. It sucks when they promote you without a salary increase. But it's promotion nevertheless. And it was because he was faithful and a servant. You know the rest of the story was that because he was handsome and attractive, Part of his wife tried to allure him. He resisted. She brought a false charge, and he landed in prison. So he went from the pet of the house to the pit, then to Potiphar. Now he's in prison. (laughs) You know, all the four Ps. Okay, now he's in prison. The incredible thing is, Joseph doesn't sit down and go, life's not fair. Life really sucks. I don't know why it always happens to me. And there's my brothers. They sucked at being shepherds. And look at me now, here I am, I'm in prison. How much worse can it get? So he kept his attitude right. I mean, it's, it's incredible. He gets straight into prison. What he was doing in part of his house, that same spirit, that same attitude, that same character, he's doing in prison. Yeah. Amen. Yes. Because now the favoritism has been knocked out of him. And he's learning favor. And so, as soon as he gets there, I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. In Genesis 39, it says, The Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Now, how, you think, when the, the Holy Spirit inspires Scripture, you think that everything God did. No, no, no. It's everything Joseph did 
and God responded. Is it okay? So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison. You know, this sounds familiar. And it says, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. So he goes from, you know, 2IC in Potiphar's house. He goes to prison. Now he becomes 2IC in prison. And it says, the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Why? Because Joseph was successful and faithful in everything he did. Is that okay? He didn't have to go and tell him, this is the time you unlock, this is the time you lock, this is the time you feed, don't let that prisoner out because he's dangerous, keep him locked inside, just feed him through the bars or whatever it is. To whatever responsibility, faithfully, meticulously discharged and just more favor was heaped on Joseph and God. Now, by now, his destiny is elevating. Is that okay? And so, of course, you know the story. These two guys that were in there, you know, in a fit of rage, the Pharaoh chucks him in Chucky in jail. One was the cupbearer, one was the baker. And uh, so one day they're talking to Joseph and they said, We've had a dream. He says, oh, Tell me the dream. So the cupbearer tells him the dream and he says, oh, Okay, the three is three days and da da da. And he says, God's going to lift your head and you're going to be reinstated. So the baker thinks, Wow, awesome, me too. So he tells him a story, you know, bread in three baskets, baskets three days, and all this kind of thing. He says, Unfortunately for you, he says, The King is going to, the fear is going to send for you. He's going to chop your head off and he's going to impale your body on a spike. Sorry, bad news. Yeah. And he didn't do it that unkindly, I'm teasing. But anyway, and that's what happened. And Joseph says, Don't forget me. Don't forget me. So the cupbearer is reinstated and immediately forgets Joseph. Completely forgets him. Now, there's a strange psalm, one of the psalms, in the hundreds somewhere, that basically says that the word of the Lord tested Joseph. While he was in shackles of iron. So was he going to reject God? Was he going to let God down? What was he going to do? Was he going to become discouraged? While he wore those shackles, he was being tested. Maybe you feel like you've got a bit of shackles around you. Things are not going your way. I want you to understand that the word of the Lord is testing you. Something like 27 years after. So the word of the Lord was the dreams. 27 years, something like 27 years after he had the first dream. Only now it becomes to become fulfilled. But I don't know if you've noticed that the journey has got everything to do with the destination. Because it's in the journey that you're being prepared. Today is matters for what God has got for you. The way I handle this person matters. The way I handle this relationship matters. The way I conduct myself in this situation, in the COVID situation, has got total bearing on exactly what God has in plan for me. And so while I'm in the shackles of COVID lockdown, what I'm doing is setting me up for what is just ahead. And so eventually the Pharaoh has a dream and now he's telling the court, you know, those represented there. And one guy, the cupbearer goes, oh, from the deep recesses of my mind, it's been a few years now. But there was a Hebrew guy in jail, and he interpreted my dream and the baker's dream, and it came about, sent for him. And so, you know the story, I'm not going to go into it, but Joseph interprets his dreams, and then the Pharaoh says, no, you've interpreted it correctly, so what should we do? He says, find a man of wisdom. 
Now, the one that was speaking wisdom to him was the man with the wisdom. But he didn't go, okay, you can appoint me. He says, find a man of wisdom, and this is what you need to do. But he spoke with such wisdom. Church, listen to me. Where did this little snothead get this wisdom from? (laughs) That he can advise a pharaoh. Where did he get it? Prison, Potiphar, pit. Where did he get this wisdom? Those alone times in his cell, just crying out to God, graciously carrying himself. And I'm sure when he stood there and spoke, a lot of what he spoke of was not resident wisdom. I believe he spoke out of a word of wisdom. Because he had the spirit, that's why he could interpret dreams. Come on, church. Let me tell you this. His gifting alone wouldn't have got him there. But his gifting with his now revised character is what got him there. Okay? So listen, be patient. God ain't finished with you yet. Come on, he's ironing the wrinkles out of your character. You know? You know, he's getting all those blemishes and things out, and he's going like, come on, I'm working on you, son. Come on, I'm working on you. I mean, there were times, there were times, there were many times it would have been easier for me in this place to give up than carry on till now. But I would have abandoned, I would have scuttled the ship of the destiny that God has for me. Are you with me, church? So just let God, just keep knocking the spots out of you. You know, let him, let him, you know, get the snot out, you know. Let him change the nappies. All right, mess yourself, throw a tantrum, get her over it. You'll change your nappy and he says, okay, son, but I want you to know, tantrum's not going to change nothing. <laughs> I've got you in a process. Come on, let's respond right. Come on, let's live right. Come on, the destiny is worth it. You know, it's like carrying a child for nine months. I mean, it's flipping not nice. Swollen and big and uncomfortable and all this kind of thing. Every organ is displaced. You know, the birth process is painful. But when you get that bundle of joy, everything else fades. And it's very much like that with destiny. You look back and go, oh my goodness, the journey's been worthwhile. When I see what God is doing. And so the amazing thing is he then is appointed and he overseers. So the little brat, so let's keep with our words. The pet, the pet went to the pit, to Potiphar, to prison. Now he goes to prime minister because of the process of God. And the incredible thing is the Pharaoh prophesies. Pharaoh, Pharaoh prophesies. He looks at Joseph. What kind of name is Joseph? That's a Hebrew name. You know, let me give you a proper name. Let me give you the name, and he gives him an Egyptian name. And the Egyptian name is Zaphnath Paniah, which means you are the treasury of the glorious rest. Joseph, the Hebrew name means, if you're listening, It means God has added to you. God took a raw little personality and worked with him, someone who walked with him, and made a decision to live right no matter what, even though he was a little brat. Maybe he learned something from the faith of his father who learned something from the faith of his father, and he walked right with God. And now God says, I've added to you. So let's put it with the two names. I've added to you. 
You are the treasury of the glorious rest of God. Because he said, he said this. This is what he says to interpret it in, in Pharaoh's words. In you is the spirit of God. When seven men were to be chosen in Acts chapter 6 to help serve on the tables, listen to what Paul and the other apostles told them. They said, find men full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Which tells me to be full of the Holy Ghost is also conditional. Okay, let's move on before I upset some viewer. All right. Genesis 41, 38. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Church, I'm convinced and persuaded the darker the age, the darker the time, our lights should not be shining bright just because the world is getting darker. Our lights should be shining brighter in an increasingly darker world. Amen? And the favor of God needs to be our portion. Let me tell you, the enemy recognizes the favor of God. Because the favor of God brings with it a greater degree of anointing. Because the response of God to enable you for your promotion, to enable you for this extra responsibility, is now to endure you with more of his spirit. The enemy hates the favor of God. Cannot stand the favor of God. Because there's an essence in which God's gone like, because of the way you are living, I have to choose you. And it brings a chosenness about it. It brings a favor with it. Is that okay? And a response with it. And I'm not putting anyone down. We're all in different places of favor with God because of where we are in our maturity with God. But like Paul said to the Thessalonians, I know that you're living to please God, but keep doing it more and more. Don't take the way of a bad business deal. Don't take it. Don't take it. I was with a businessman one day who was in our church. And just it happened when I was visiting, a bucky load of stolen goods came in. And he was there, and he was buying the entire bucky load for his business of stolen goods. And I stood there, and I said, is this, you know, and they just used the terminology. It fell off the back of a truck. And I said to him, brother, don't buy this. Don't buy this. And he said, yeah, but if I don't, he's going to go down the road to that hardware, and he's going to buy it. He's going to sell it for a profit. I might as well do it. I said, brother, I said, this will not have the blessing of God on it. Amen. Amen. Do it the right way. He didn't listen. He bought it. It was months. His business closed down. It was months. He repented, and he's back in business today, serving God, multimillionaire. Got to do it the right way. That didn't attract the favor of God. Okay, so let me close. Have you got something out of this series? So let me, let me close. Let me close with this. I believe an exceptional favor is about to come onto the body of Christ. Because you've stood, you've walked, you've lived, you know, your character, your conduct, your confession through this COVID thing, you know, walking a line, you know, complicit, compliant to what the government wants, even though a lot of it is hypocritical. You know, we are the ones that are being punished. Taxis can be full. Airlines can be full. Churches can't. There's a hypocrisy in a lot of the standards. Political rallies can get together. Protests can get together. No social distancing, no marks. But they keep threatening the church. They keep putting it online. We've said, okay, we will submit to it. 
gross underestimation by the enemy. We're going to step out, step into an exceptional favor. Amen. Amen. Now, apply it, apply it to your personal life. Is that okay? Apply everything I've said, and you will watch. You will grow in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God, in favor with man. In Jesus' name, bless you and all those listening. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I just want to speak blessing over you. There's power in blessing. Is that right? There's power in speaking the name Jesus. God doesn't miss a thing. God doesn't miss a thing about your faithfulness. So just stick with the process. <laughs> see the favor of God. Come see promotion. Come see blessing. So there's a power in blessing. Is that okay? But because you've had the teaching, I can now say, I bless you. I bless you with the unusual, exceptional, unmerited favor of God. I bless you with supernatural, the pleasure of God because of your response. I speak favor over each one of you in the name of Jesus. And with it will come promotion. With it will come responsibility. With it will come opportunities that you otherwise wouldn't have without the favor. When the opportunity comes, take the opportunity. I bless you with fruitful minds. A mind that is open to the suggestions of God, to the voice of God. Favor. Everybody say favor. I speak supernatural, the supernatural mind of God to hear and to understand, to be inspired, to become entrepreneurial, to make the most of every opportunity in the name of the Lord Jesus. Love you all. Bless you. The highly favored ones.